0: Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hey everybody welcome back to the podcast it's amber here and i am
1: here with maya broyer maya how's it going pretty good it's has uh, been cold here in uh, new england i'm in rhode island But other than this extreme cold and two feet of snow, I'm good. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: My goodness. Two feet of snow. We had like four inches of snow here that turned into ice, and now it's raining. And yeah, we can complain about the weather if we (laughs) want to. like, I'm ready for spring. But I'm really glad to have you here today. It's such an honor to be able to interview you and have a conversation with you. And I'm so excited to share your work with the accessible yoga community. I know a lot of us already know you and follow you, but for those that don't, I'm wondering if you'll just take a moment to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, how do you spend your time, uh, what, are you, what are you doing out here in the world?
1: Uh well, uh, right now I work at Yoga Alliance and I'm the vice president of cross-cultural advancement. Um, one thing that I'm very proud of these days is that I work out three times a week, and I'm just happy to say that on the air. Um, you know, it's it took a lot to get to that place of doing it uh, and committing, so I'm very proud of that. And um, at Yoga Alliance, I, I'm sort of across the board working with all of the departments and working on... Supporting them with creating new programs, with uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and other various things that rise that I can be helpful with. And you know, one of our main the main missions at Yoga Alliance is is equity. And so there's a lot of effort that's going into creating equity in yoga these days. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're certainly interested in all of that. And I know that Jeevana and I and a, b- a bunch of people that are involved with accessible yoga were part of the, the standards review process that Yoga Alliance just went, to, went through a couple of years ago. So it's been very exciting to see the shift toward um, really putting a lot of effort into accessibility and uh, diversity work and stuff like that. So um, it's amazing to have you at the helm of that. I wonder if you can... Tell us like uh, what sort of programs are y'all working on or can you, can you talk about any of that work and what it actually sure, looks I can like?
1: Talk. Yes, I'd love to. And I don't, you know, there's um, a program that I'm so excited about. It's called teaching for equity and it's, it started about a year ago and we ran a pilot program and provided stipends for 25 yoga teachers. And they were, designated to teach in marginalized communities. And we were totally taken aback when we received um, so many applications and we were able to select those five people and fund them. We were also able to see that they got uh, an article in Elephant Journal Magazine, to describe their work within a marginalized community. And also there were various articles among, we call them our alumni now, because they finished this first cohort of uh, yoga teachers. So we, we graduated one from the first cohort of Teaching for Equity. And now we're just launching the second cohort, which is now 50 people. And they will be provided a stipend to teach yoga Within a marginalized community, that is
0: so cool. Is that a program that people can currently apply for, or are y'all yes, still have it in the is pilot phase? an
1: ongoing program. However, the second cohort application process has has ended, and we have selected um, the individuals, and they're about to begin teaching. Okay. Very cool. Well,
0: maybe I can get a link from you that I could share in the show notes if folks want to check out that program. Absolutely.
1: Because you can read all about the program, read various articles from our all on the Yoga Alliance website, and also learn of the dates for the next cohort. This is going to be an ongoing program with Yoga Alliance. So we are very pleased with the um, program. We also provide workshops for the teachers to support them. We provide resources to help them uh, look for funding after our stipend period ends. So we're trying to work, and this is through the Yoga Alliance Foundation, and they're working diligently to provide the support that's needed so that people can continue teaching after the stipend period ends. That sounds like a really great
0: resource. So I'm excited to share that with our audience for sure. Um, Anything else going on with your current work that you're excited to share about before we kind of dig into your history? Because I'd love to know like how you came to yoga. Well, uh,
1: you know, one of the other things I do is the yoga retreat for women of color. And so we will be having an in-person yoga retreat for women of color at the Kapalo Center for Yoga and Health. July 29 to 31. So, you know, I started the yoga retreat for women of color many years ago and it's continued. Mm -hmm. I have a co-director, Keisha Battles, who pretty much runs everything and I'm involved, but not in the day-to-day management of it. Um, But we are going to be in person at Kripalu. Um, So that's exciting. I'm very excited.
0: That is exciting. Tell us how that started. You've been hosting that for what, like over 20 years now, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, I started with the yoga retreat for women of color in 1999, actually. And it started at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health. Um, And, you know, it started, I founded it. I, ha- I used to have this dream. After I started yoga, I would have this sort of dream with my grandmother telling me, teach the women, teach mm. the women. I couldn't, you know, I would, I would wake up, it wasn't every night, but I'd wake up and I'm like, what is she saying? And then I realized that I was supposed to teach women of color. And I I started, you know, I I applied to present the program at Krapallo, and it was accepted. And it was so it was a dream that became a reality. Um, and you know, it's, it's been going strong since 99 during the pandemic, we had virtual retreats. Mm -hmm. And so now we're finally going to be back in person. That sounds
0: amazing. What is the retreat like? Like, what could people expect if they
1: would like to come? Well, you know, you can expect to be nourished. That's the main focus to look at how we can nourish body, mind, and spirit. And we look at yoga as a practice and some of the perspectives of yoga, for example, Kriya yoga really supports one's daily life. So we, we look at Kriya yoga, we dance, we laugh, we take in all the Kripalu offers in terms of healthy food. And I, uh, uh, we bring in presenters who offer conversations or programs on different topics. It can be grief, and loss um working with the elders i mean there are variety it can be you know Mm -hmm. we did one on head wraps (laughs) which was fabulous we do i mean they can expect to be feel part of a community Mm -hmm. of women of color and be able to open up and talk about things that they are happy about, bothered by, concerned about.
0: Yeah, I think it can be so transformational. I just know from my own experience to, you know, be in a community of people who look like you, who have a similar background to you, who are, um, you know, who share in a lived experience and like to be in a community of people where it's like, you don't have to explain yourself all the time. You know that they have similar um, experiences in the world. It can be so nourishing. And then to bring in yoga and um, all of the other wonderful things that y'all are going to do together. That sounds so good.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's awfully, it's an uplifting experience, you know, yeah, And for sure. I, I just want to add that the last uh, yogurt treat for women of color in person, I can't remember the exact dates, mm-hmm. but we had 108 people. Oh my goodness. And, well, that's a special love, number, but also a big number. the <laughs> significance of the number. You know, I still, I was just blown away. So that was prior to the pandemic. And we also, we are a, it's for all women of all colors. And now we're having women from all over the globe participate. That's amazing. Really cool. So it's, uh, it's my baby that I'm still uh, (laughs) nursing along, you know, your baby.
0: That's now a grown
1: child, (laughs) a grown woman in her twenties. That's great.
0: Thank you. (laughs) So, um, I wonder if you'll tell us, um, how did you come to yoga? How did you find yoga? What was your first you know, kind of practice, uh, their first years of practice, like who were your teachers, like, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Um, well, I came to yoga in the late eighties. Um, it could have been 87 or 88. And that wasn't my first time. I'll go backtrack a little. The first time I went to yoga was in Rhode Island at the first Unitarian church. And it was in the late seventies, maybe 79. I was enthralled with yoga. I remember thinking, oh, I have to do this all the time. And I didn't get back to yoga for almost 10 years um, because I was very busy at that time raising a family and working. But in the late 80s, I was having health issues. And I, uh, meaning one of the things I, I lived with was chronic fatigue. And so a friend of mine said, you should go and visit Kripalu. And so the minute I walked in, I remember feeling something is different here. You know, there was a presence or an energy that I felt. And I took an afternoon class and, uh, you know, I just started feeling that this is having an impact on me even though I couldn't really put it into words. So right. I kept going to uh, I, I I learned that they had a program I could do, which was called Seva or selfless service. And I was there every chance I got to do Seva. And I was sort of soaking up what now I call prana, <laughs> the energy right. that was there. <laughs> I didn't know what it was when I first walked in. But I began to study yoga, say, during that time. Around 89, I, I started taking studies and, and doing uh, teacher training. And, um, you know, I became a teacher. I mean, so I went from, you know, volunteering. So just to be in the midst of Kripalu and the people and all of the teachings. Um, and it, it, it became a spiritual practice I was able to heal my body and begin to, I, my life transformed um, to where I became a teacher. And my first teaching of yoga was right in my home. I transformed my first floor into a studio. Um, and there's that. that's how I started yoga. And some of the teachers I had were, over the years, were amazing, you know, and wonderful teachers. I, uh, you know, I studied with first Amrit Desai because he was the guru. I don't know if we have those anymore, but he was the guru at Kripalu at the time. And I, I studied with uh, oh, so many people: uh, Beryl Bender Binder, a Bender Birch, and mm-hmm. Tom Gillette. Judith Lassiter, um, um, Stephen Cope. um, These were all people who were in the midst of Kripalu at the time. And I studied, I learned yoga, but I also learned mindfulness Mm -hmm. and meditation and so many uh, different things. So yeah, did you, did you do your teacher training
0: at Kripalu?
1: Is yes, that where you studied? I did yeah. my, my first teacher training at Kripalu. My second teacher training was at the Lakhulish school in India, Gujarat, India. And I traveled to India to study advanced or deeper practices, the more of the yoga philosophy and meditation and prayer. Um, so that's my journey. You know, that's how I started my journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: then, I- and then you started. You know, the yoga retreat for women of color, and um, what other things uh, have you brought into the world? I want to talk especially about Black Yoga Teachers Alliance. But after you started teaching, um,
1: where where did that head? Well, after I started teaching, I was I was teaching, and I just want to mention. I was inspired and motivated to teach because I didn't see people who looked like me in the mm-hmm. classes. I, mm-hmm. I taught at Yoga Journal Conference. I didn't see, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, and I didn't see many who looked like me. So I realized that many of the challenges that Black people had, this is free BIPOC, yeah. uh, were, um, you know, obesity, diabetes, uh, hypertension, and all of those could be managed with the practice of yoga and meditation. So, you know, that encouraged me to teach. That's really what got me going in my own community. You had to show up
0: for your own community.
1: That's yeah, sort of I didn't know, you know, that's how it started. I, I just said, you know, I'm going to bring this bring this home, you know. So I brought it home to various libraries, community centers, like literally wherever <laughs> they would have <laughs> i showed up and taught and it's, you know, I am so grateful uh, for this journey. I just really am. So after the yoga retreat for women of color, many years later, in fact, it was in 2009 that I worked with Jana Long and we established the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance. We co-founded it. And it started off in 2009, and by 2016, um, we had established it as a nonprofit organization. And I'm just happy to report that I, I don't actively work with the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance, but you know it's thriving today. And uh, the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance was created to. Uh, it was a. Created as a collective of teachers um, to share yoga and inspire conscious living among ourselves and among others. So, the organization also was to provide a business and a social network for Black yoga teachers. And, um, you know, we wanted to increase the diversity of those teaching and practicing yoga. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, it was a leap of faith that Jana Long and I went out on and just we were we were just shocked that so many yoga teachers around the globe were interested in being part of this organization.
0: Yeah, I bet. I mean, you know, I can only imagine that so many people have that experience that you had and that I also had, which was like the reason we started teaching was to help our communities and also because we didn't see anyone like us, you know, in that space of a teacher where we were. And so, like, I'm sure that you're able to inspire so many people to step up and say, like, oh, yeah, that's me, too, in my town. And so having that community support, I think is really crucial, especially if you have a marginalized identity or multiple marginalized identities, because we really don't get that, you know, that same positive representation of, you know, what a yoga person looks like, or what a yoga teacher looks like, or whatever those things are, we've sort of absorbed from, you know, marketing messages and, and this kind of the way that oppression functions in our society, you know, and so... I think that's such a wonderful resource you've created. Do y'all do, um, what type of resources do you provide to teachers? Like, do y'all do conferences and things like that? Or? Yes,
1: yes. They are, uh, the, so they're continuing. When I was very active with them, we offered conferences. And and even today, we have scholarships for teachers who want to take other trainings with various Teachers. One that comes to mind is Rod Stryker. Another is Susan Piver, who offers a meditation instructor training. And then there are other opportunities that crop up for yoga teachers, but this is a hub for Black yoga teachers. And it can, like I mentioned, it continues and truly supports a, a global community.
0: That is so cool. I, I I want everybody to be sure to check out the show notes because we're going to link to the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance and the Yoga Retreat for Women of Color and all the things we're talking about today. So definitely check that out for links. Um, so, you know, speaking of the yoga retreat that you've created and also this amazing resource through BIDA, the community for for black teachers, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about you know, why yoga and self-care are really critical for women of color or especially black women. Um, I know like during the pandemic, you know, you and I have both, we just were talking a little bit before we hit record, found like so much, you know, kind of comfort and strength in our yoga practice. And I know that's, it's so essential for, um, for your work. And I wonder if you just talk about that a little bit.
1: You know, yeah, when I think about it, Um, you know, what comes to my mind is that everyone needs self-care. And the thing about it is that Black women are no exception. And historically, we have been the exception, you know, because we've borne the brunt of caring for others before self. And I think, you know, we could trace that all the way back to the uh, slavery within uh, the world where the, the Black woman And I'm not saying there weren't challenges for others, but what we're talking about is Black women, but there was a way of being where self was not put first. Self was not even in the mix for the most part. So, you know, the value of self-care, I'm happy to say, has become more uh, accepted, you know, today. And that's been going on for for many um, decades now that black women and women of color are putting themselves in the mix. You know, we've all, well, black people have always been told, get your education. So that's always been there, but now it's, you know, we do yoga, we do meditation, we practice mindfulness. And what has also crept in is rest and renewal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I was talking about a friend and she said, you know, we we would work and work and work. And the only release was maybe going out, having a drink or, you know, having food or doing those things. But this, you know, meditation, yoga, uh, even dancing for your health, all those things are now prevalent within um, the lives of many uh, women of color. And, you know, I read a book many years ago by Thomas Moore, and he's a, a great psycholo- psychiatrist, and he talks about care of the soul. And I think that um, care of the soul is is what we do when we take care of ourselves. And that has, and according to him and according to me uh, today, I have learned that it means everything. You know, it means your movement, your breath, your rest, your humor, your or your fun, your quiet time, your food, your everything. And then I put a big, a big word in the middle, and it's nourishing self. So I always think of self care as nourishing self. And I'll just mention that the book by Thomas Moore was so uh, enlightening to support me. I read it maybe. 30, 25 years ago, uh, and it just helped me, and that combined with yoga ha- gives me this idea that everything is important in my life, but I must care for self first. Do you see what I mean, Amber? I do, yeah. Yeah.
0: I wonder if you'll talk about like how has your yoga practice shown up for you during the pandemic when so much has changed for so many of us from, you know, the way we do work. Like you've had to postpone your retreats and things like that um, from being in person to just like dealing with the stress of everyday life right now when it's more dangerous to be alive. And, you know, systemic inequities are so like in our face every day. Um I wonder if you talk about that, like well, how your you know, personal practice.
1: Um, well, you know what I was, uh, I was, I was thinking just then is that, you know, the start of the pandemic, or the early days where uh, the deaths of people of color were highlighted more than yeah. they are today, because the, you know, the many people of color were dying from, from COVID, uh, COVID nineteen pan- during the COVID nineteen pandemic. And, you know, it brought to mind the, the what do they call them, comorbidities or the the health sure. mm-hmm. the comorbidities that people live with. And, you know, as I was in the house, you know, like everyone else, I would think, oh Lord, I wish these people knew about breath and yoga so that they wouldn't be in this moment and have these vulnerabilities in addition to having to battle the Pandemic, the virus. So that was the first thing, and and then that whole. I felt blessed because being alone, being quiet, being uh, spending time meditating, spending time alone. All those things appeal to me, and don't uh, push me in against the wall. And I think a lot of people were pushed against the wall because we're such a social uh or that's s- right. society. So I think that was the first challenge being isolated when we were in lockdown. And it was a challenge to me because I wasn't moving enough. You know, but but it didn't bother me to be quiet or be alone. But I think that's been a real challenge for many. And then you know the roller coaster that we've ridden with COVID-19 yeah. and then the variants that have come about, and you know, we're 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 at one level, and then we jump up and have another out, you know, severe outbreak and high death rate. Uh, the 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 changes I think can be very challenging and, and off-putting. But one of the things I learned was that many teachers were doing yoga online. Right. And I did an article about uh, the BIPOC community during the pandemic. And I interviewed all these different teachers and they were telling me that they were able to reach more people who didn't come to the studios and who found it easier to practice at home because they didn't feel comfortable in many of the yoga studios. So that was something else that rose up during the pandemic is that Mm -hmm. We were, we, I say with the proverbial we, we were able to reach more people of color who would not normally go to studios. That's right. So I think that was really a powerful outcome. But I think that, um, you know, those of us who know yoga can share it with our families, who know meditation can share it with our friends and families. Um, And even just talking about it can motivate someone to pull it up on the internet and, 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 practice. But I, you know, we are in a challenging time and I feel blessed to have the breath and to have yoga and meditation and, and uh, contentment within my life at this time. So, you know, if you call me and you want to talk, I'm going to teach that to you. (laughs) You People reach out to me and they start like, well, what do you think? You know, I'm teaching the same thing all the time to friends, family, and others who find me. That, you know, this is a time to look look at self. So it takes us back to self-care. And I'll put a slash there. Self-love is also something that I think You know, I know when we we listen to the news, there's so much violence out here. There's all these sort of quote unquote crazies running through the world. But, you know, self-love is something that can really help you when you don't know what to do. So, you know, yoga motivated me to love myself, something I had never been taught or I had never witnessed, really. So, um, you know, I think the that the the time that we're living in is a difficult time. I think that one of the remedies is yoga or meditation or mindfulness and breathing consciously.
0: definitely. I would have to say like my breath is definitely one of my biggest tools in dealing with uncertainty and discomfort and just learning how to like kind of stay when that when I all I want to do is, run away or <laughs> argue with someone or whatever it's the true. thing is, it's right? True. It is. So um do you have kind of a go-to uh breathing practice or technique that really helps ground you in those moments that
1: you like to share with people? Yes, 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 yes. I love ujjayi breath, which is where you close the glottis at the back of the throat. And you make a hissing sound, but the exhalation is through the nostrils. Mm-hmm. And your lips are sealed. I'm just giving that little instruction. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if you want to lead us through a little <laughs> practice, that would be fine too, but you can also just, you know, describe yeah, it. No, you can, everybody can look it up, but it, you make a hissing sound. And years ago, the joke was it's the Darth Vader sound, you know, cause you have that heavy breathing in sound and exhaling sound. But it is so, I find that it centers me. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and it also lifts me up. And, you know, if, if I have pain, like um, if I have an issue with a shoulder or hip or whatever, I use the dirga pranayama, the three-part breath, to bring the breath to that area. I'll send the breath to the pain. And it, it, it dissipates or it lessens. Mm-hmm. So those are my two go-tos. I, I'm not living with a lot of pain, but I have it if I need it. The the uh, complete breath, dirga breath. But the ujjayi breath is my daily breath. I practice it. Um, I will do it in between meetings because it appears, it seems these days we're on, you know, those of us who work from home are, are in front of the computer a great deal. Yep. so so I'll give myself a few minutes to that's you know I'm going to add the thing that I love about yoga and pranayama is a little bit goes a long way do you agree Amber
0: I do agree I mean I'm always amazed at how like I don't know I can be really spun up and just anxious and having a, a really bad day and if I will literally like move my body just a little bit and sit still for like even two minutes of focused breathing, like totally changes everything for me. It's so amazing.
1: I love that about it too. You know, you could just do one posture and just feel so much closer to balance, you know, yeah, or it doesn't
0: a- change the circumstance, but it changes like my physical oh. state or like my nervous system, and that allows me to feel like I can, you know, deal with it a little more easily. Right. For sure. It doesn't
1: change the circumstance, but it gives you an opening to find uh, your what you need in the moment. Yeah, that's well said. I like that. You know what I mean? Like you you may need may need to say to someone, I'm sorry, I can't have this conversation. You know? Right. 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 Or like what
0: what do you need in that moment? Yeah. Do you need distance? Do you need to reach out for someone to someone and ask for support? Like it can kind of like be that clarity to to get our brain a little unscrambled and say, like, <laughs> yeah. okay, what is actually what I need in this moment?
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, um, and we're going to start wrapping up this conversation soon, but I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, what's lighting you up these days? What are you excited about?
1: Um, well, the first thing, which really, what really lights me up is the work I do with Yoga Alliance as part of the leadership. It's just excites me. And, um, You know, what we're doing at Yoga Alliance is aligned with what has been a 30 year desire of mine. And that is to spread the practice and philosophy of yoga among all people. So that really lights me up. And, you know, I like the idea of reaching more people so that they understand how viable yoga is to one's well-being. And I mentioned before the Teaching for Equity program, and I think that is something, um, you know, no matter where a person, where you live, you can look into becoming a part of that program if you know a group that you want to teach.
0: Yeah, that is such a cool opportunity, and I'm excited to share that with folks. Um... So what does the future hold for you? Is there anything you have coming up that you're excited about other than, you know, that program that you just mentioned? Um, what's, what's next for you? Well, well,
1: (laughs) um, that's, um, I have a grandson who is 13 years old and his interests are music and social studies. And he's such a uplifting spirit in my life. Mm -hmm. And so he, that's definitely, I'm I'm so uh, happy to be witnessing him growing into the future. Yeah, and that's then, so um, cool. So the other thing, which many may not know about me, is I'm an artist. And so I do music and I, I draw and sketch. And so that's always, you know, the more time that we are, uh, in our homes, it's given me time to really f- give more focus to my art. Not that I'm do, not that anything is happening, except it's in my home. But um, I that's wonderful. I- yeah, yeah, it's so good, you know, because when you're when you're out and about, you don't you know you don't think, oh, let me just draw this, or let me look at this, you know. So I like being uh, in. Although mm-hmm. I like going out, too. So I look forward to when we can be freer and move about. Yeah,
0: I understand what <laughs> you mean. It's definitely, you know, I think the time of I don't know, the, our all our routines being disrupted for some of us has given us you know, a chance to kind of dig into a new interest or cultivate one that maybe we set aside for a long time. So that's really wonderful to hear. It's and I didn't know you were an artist, so I'm going to try to get uh, some piece of your art that we can show people on the, oh, I'll send the show know. notes. So maybe I'll be able to get something from you. <laughs> All right.
1: And, you know, uh, the other thing that I'm I'm um, in the future, we are going to bring the yoga retreat for women of color to Peru. And that will be in 2023. So that's an exciting thing. And that way we'll be able to include women from that area in the retreat for women of color. And we're going to be going to uh, Nairobi, Kenya in 2025. So those are exciting things. And I I intend to continue... Um, doing the work I do with Yoga Alliance because that really pleases me.
0: Wonderful. Oh, that's so exciting to hear um, you're taking that internationally. I, I love it. Um, and I'm really excited to share all of the resources that you've talked about and links to everything. So y'all definitely check out the show notes so you can connect with Maya. Maya, it's been so wonderful to talk to you today and hear about your work that you're doing in the world. I'm wondering, as we close, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with or anything you want to point them in the direction of as we go?
1: Well, I'm just, uh, Amber, it's been a pleasure to be on this podcast with you. And um, if this if this airs during Black History Month, I want to just say that it's an honor to be on this podcast during Black History Month, and mm-hmm. there are too many people that I could mention, but I just encourage everyone to really consider your history, consider our history as Black people, and there, there's much out here to learn and to grow from.
0: Thank you so much for your time and for your work in yoga and beyond, Maya. It was great to talk with you today. Thank you, Amber. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, AccessibleYoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at AccessibleYoga.org. See you next time.